Watch Podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 2, Episode 11, The Tok'ra, Part 1. And here with us is our very good friend. Please welcome Evelyn. Yay! Yay. I'm, I'm on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, you are, baby. <laughs> I did it. I made it. <laughs> Yay. Yay! Finally got you on. Chalk that one off the bucket list. Yes. Done. Okay. Well, welcome. Thank you for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Is it weird that I'm nervous? Like, yeah, don't talk, be. We 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 don't bite. Talk hard. about my favorite show with like my favorite people for an hour. Oh no. Just pretend I we're know. in the back at a con, you know, blabbing away general admission. It's all good. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> we just have way less tequila right now, unfortunately. Oh okay. yeah. Yeah. Ugh, missing those worms. Good times. Good times. <laughs> okay. Well, so before we get into this episode proper and get to chat with Evelyn a little bit, I do have some Stargate news to share. Ooh. Tell us, tell us. Do we need like Exciting. some news music? <laughs> Thank you. That was perfect. Um, <laughs> so coming up on Saturday, November 6th at 2 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. GMT, there's going to be a table read of a Stargate script that was written by the Google AI. It will star recurring their roles, Michael Shanks, Amanda Tapping, David Hewlett, and Jewel State. Uh, the project was conceived by Brad Wright, who is one of the creators of, you know, SG-1 and Atlantis and Universe. And the event will be hosted by Stargate superfan Mark Evan Jackson, who, if, if you don't know the name, go look him up. You know who this guy is, and it's fantastic. Uh, and it will be on the Companion website. It's called The Companion. And there will also be a Q&A with the event. Um, I'll include the link in the show notes so you can go click on that and sign up for it. Um, just a heads up, it's not free, quote unquote, like there is a free trial, but you have to sort of like sign up and register and everything. Uh, so if all you want is just access to this table read and Q&A, you know, sign up and then just make sure you cancel before the free trial ends. But oh, I think it's going to be... Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be, I think, a pretty awesome thing. So, so um, if those four are going to be doing their roles, does that mean that the episode is just them or is going to be a full cast episode like with other people playing the other roles? I have no idea. Oh, we'll find out together. Yes. There, uh, there is also a little trailer up on YouTube, which I'll include the link to that, too. So you can like sort of watch that to get yourself like hyped and excited for this so but i'm excited we get new stargate like next yeah, week it's, it's gonna be great but also it's the google ai so like it's gonna be yeah. ridiculous there's yeah it, it looks like they've already recorded it because in the trailer there's like a little snippet unless they just did like little snippets for the trailer but some of the dialogue is like oh that was written by an ai yeah <laughs> <laughs> that sounds deliciously ridiculous and i can't wait I'm so, excited. Yeah. So go check it out. Go sign up. And let's have fun with new Stargate next week. Yay. 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 <laughs> News is over. <laughs> Thank you very much, Rachel. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm here all week. Tip your waiters. All right. 
Um, so, Evelyn, before we get into this episode, what is your, like, history with Stargate? Had you seen the movie? How did you get into the show? What do you love? What do you hate? Just tell us everything. Give, oh give, me, give us all the... I, I love everything about it. <laughs> it really is one of my favorite shows, to the point where, like, I watched the movie with my family, and we loved it. And then every once in a while, we would stay at a hotel when it was airing on Showtime, and we would be mm-hmm. like, we knew about it, had no idea who any of the characters were, and would just jump in on the early episodes and be like, yeah, I like the one in the bandana, and that was like my intro. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, to be fair, I guess we knew who Daniel Jackson was, but um, so... He, it wasn't James Spader, so... No, he wasn't James Spader. And so we would watch, like, an episode here and there, and we were so excited when it came to Sci-Fi Channel, because we had cable by then, um, and I just Ooh, you fell in love with it. And then I saw, actually, an advertisement for a convention um, on during the show, and I'm like, they have those? <laughs> and then I met you, uh, I met you, Carrie, there. Yes, yeah. And... I met Rachel, I think you'll remember when you ditched me to at the Darren Chris concert. <laughs> you were like, just, just go with Rachel. She's really nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that was Star Kid. That was a Star Kid that thing. That was Star Kid. Yeah. Yes, it was. That was yeah. Star Kid. That was funny I, how you invited both of us out to a concert and then you were like, no, you guys go. go. Bye. I'm sorry. I, and I, we didn't really I know had, each other. I had zero hours of sleep. I had I zero hours of sleep the night before. I was like, I'm not going to make it. This was was two hours, two hours drive one way. But see your friends and it worked out fine. So I know. It did work out fine. We also had a good laugh at your expense. I'm sure you did. Yes. Which I, yes, (laughs) I expected. Yes. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Rachel, do you have any questions for Evelyn about her Stargate history? Oh, about. Oh, about your Stargate journey. Ooh. Stargate journey. Which SG team would you want to be on? Oh my gosh, obviously SG one. Most of the other ones die. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite season? Like, not necessarily just an episode, but because I know that's really hard. But you have like a favorite season? I don't. I don't know. Like, I'm I'm rewatching it, of course, as one does. And I'm just, I fell in love with the first season all over again because it's so super intense. And like, yeah, yeah like yeah. especially Daniel is super intense. He is, yeah. And I kind of like, I love, I love Michael Shanks and I love where the character went. But like in the beginning, it's like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> Are you rewatching it with us? Are you actually like paying attention to the podcast? Are you like the? you guys doing you know I'm very I'll busy Rachel. <laughs> so you're a few weeks behind it's okay yes, but I love and support you so thank you thank you and I did I did call these episodes like right as the podcast was starting I'm like I gotta do the joke I gotta I gotta talk about part two I know it's like I told you I was I was starting the podcast with Rachel and you're like I'm coming on for talk I was like okay put that down in my notes I believe my exact words were I'm doing Martu (laughs) 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 and then you were like you sure 
which is always awkward for me to hear because that's my son's internet nickname. So it is. Sorry, that's weird. Well, <laughs> you made it awkward. That one. That one's on you. Yeah. Okay. You the hottest character. I'm sorry. Well, because he was my little symbiote, even though symbiote is Lantash, but Martuf is more fun to say. Yeah. So he, he's Martuf. So. Yeah, uh, that one's on you. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, are we ready to get into the episode proper then? Let's do yeah. it. Okay. So the Tokra part one originally aired on October 2nd, 1998. It was written by Jonathan Glasner and directed by Brad Turner. In this episode, SG-1 locates the Tok'ra, a ghouled resistance movement who oppose the system lords and attempt to form an alliance. Jacob Carter's cancer brings him near death. I mean, he gets he gets I, I he gets a lot closer than near in this episode. He does. <laughs> he does. I'm pretty sure he, he actually he dies a little bit there. So, but we'll get to that part. So, so this episode opens with like flashbacks to in the line of duty and secrets where we are first introduced to basically the major plot points that will play out in this episode, but we don't get the like previously on voiceover, which is a little weird. So I'm like, is because then what happens sort of after the sort of flashbacks, I'm like, is Carter reliving these or is this just for the viewer? I was, I thought I was accidentally watching the wrong episode. (laughs) It is a little weird. Like, it starts how in the line of duty starts with, like, the attack on the beach and everybody, like, blowing up and dying and stuff. And it's like, wait, this, I already saw this one. So, yeah, I don't know if that was just an accident without the previously on or if we're meant to read this as Carter's flashback vision thing. I did notice in this one that the the cuts from scene to scene are just kind of wonky. They are jarring. I guess that's almost an error because it's like, it's several cuts. It's not just like they made a weird choice. Yeah. It's like hard cut to black for two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. It's very weird. I should have, I should have broken out the DVDs and see if it's the same on the DVDs as it is on Netflix. You can update us for part two. I will. I will. I will put that on my list. Watch DVD version of episode. Okay. Got it. So after the sort of previously on scenes, we are then inside a series of tunnels where there are people rushing about as they're attacked by possibly Apophis's Jaffa. I think I saw the Apophis, like, you know, the helmet. Someone chain. is getting attacked by someone. Yeah, there are people getting attacked by Jaffa. We at least know that much. And this is also all sort of shot in like a first person POV, like we are the camera. And then one of the people that is getting attacked turns to camera and tells us or her, them, whoever that is, that Here. the chat I must be dialed and then calls her Jolinar. So we are Jolinar in this opening scene. And we then see Jolinar dialing the gate and we see like all seven symbols. So we know where they're going. And then as uh, Jolinar like walks up to go through the gate, there's this super reflective crystal thing in there. And we see that that's Sam there, like in the vision or whatever it is. And Sam then says bolt upright in the SGC infirmary where there are electrodes attached to her head before saying she thinks she found something. And we cut to the opening credits. And cue interpretive dance to the intro. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Like, 
I have so many questions, to be honest. First of all, let's talk about how awkward, like, it's the first time we see Martoop and he's like sort of shimmying to get in front of a camera almost. Like, did you notice that? <laughs> well, they are under attack. I guess. If it's supposed to be sort of like, you know, the fake sort of shaking, like, oh, the base is getting attacked and everything shaking thing. Yeah. And it's just one line, but it's so expositional and clunky. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't call her Jolinar. He would not address her like specifically, I think, in that situation. Yeah, like if if you're looking directly at one person, like you don't need to use my room. name. Thank you. Yeah. We've we've you just, been in love for a hundred years. <laughs> like, if you're looking directly at me, just say we need to dial the gate. Yeah. And go. You wouldn't appreciate it if I was like, Carrie, we have to go. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking right at you, but just in case you had no idea I'm talking to you. I mean, maybe if I was out of it and you really needed to make sure I was focused on maybe, you, but yeah, that didn't seem to be the situation head. here. Mm. So, I don't know. <laughs> I bet she's been struck upon the head. Perhaps, yes. <laughs> Fun fact, she was struck in the head. Fun fact. <laughs> Thank you. Because I ha- I have no fun facts for this episode, people. I'm very sorry. Like, there's there's no trivia. There's no sort of, like... I'm telling you, every, fa- every Jaraborn fact is a fun fact. <laughs> oh, did he, he overwhelmed the fun facts for this episode? He did. He's all okay. you need. Okay. Also, uh, so if you have Jaraborn in your Vancouver Rector's bingo, uh, go ahead and cross him off. Because we've seen him. So, one more off the bingo list. Okay. So we come back from the opening credits and we're in the briefing room where Sam is selling SG-1 and Hammond all about the vision she had. And they all seem kind of skeptical and they're like, are you sure it wasn't just like a dream of, you know, your brain making stuff up? And Sam's like, no, this absolutely 100% is a real thing that happened. And Tilk adds that when a ghoul takes a host the two minds do intermingle so it is very likely possible that these are like Jolinar's actual memories and Sam the big part of this is that Sam remembers the address that they went to when they left whatever planet they were on that was under attack and she thinks it's worth going to check out and to see if they're there and maybe they can be friends and stuff and Daniel brings up that Sam mentioned their eyes glowing, like, in the vision. And can she really be sure they're good guys? And she's like, uh-huh, yes, 100%, absolutely, they're good guys. And we then get to confirming again that the Tok'ra oppose the Gould and want to see them brought down. And Jack's like, those are my kind of guys. So in the end, Hammond will authorize the mission if Jack agrees which seems like a weird thing for the general to say. Like, why do you need the colonel to sign off on a mission general before you tell them to go on the mission? But I guess that's just how SG-1 works. And Jack does. So off they're going to go to try and find the Tok'ra. Yay! With no backup whatsoever. Again, I I do wonder, like... Can you imagine if they actually ran a military organization like this, where she was like, Sam was basically like, I had this weird dream, but it wasn't a dream, but I was asleep, though, you know? And, like, I was thinking about how many episodes of Stargate, like, start out this way with something super weird happening. Yeah. And General Hammond just going, sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> There's aliens. 
there's aliens that I possess mean, I people. Guess. <laughs> yeah. And that I would... don't think this was necessarily a dream because it didn't seem like she was just like sleeping. Like she had electrodes. So it seemed it seemed like they were doing some kind of like, experiment what? to see if she what could like I think they were trying to see because like sort of going off last week with Bane where they were trying to figure out what was going on with Tilk and how they could help Tilk not turn into the gross bug thing. And Sam was like, if only I could like, you know, at call access Jolinar's memories, that would be great. So I think they were doing some kind of experiment to see if Sam could sort of just like at will bring up memories that Jolinar had left in her here at the beginning. I think it's what's happening. It's got to be a whole bunch of fun mission reports when they all start off with so... I had a weird dream. Vision. I don't know what to call it, but I feel it. I felt like we had to go there. I don't know. (laughs) We were getting attacked by aliens again. Again. (sighs) Just another Monday. (laughs) Oh, man. Somebody at some point needs to have a mug that just says Mondays. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So SG1 is heading to the gate room, like all geared up and like ready to go when Sam asks for like five minutes and Jack's like, sure, basically. And she pops off to like a corner of the control room where she picks up the phone and calls her dad. And she just wanted to check in before she left on a little trip. And we only hear her side of the conversation, but it seems like he just kind of like brushes her off and he's probably like, I'm fine. Don't worry. You don't need to be here. I'll be okay. And like completely downplaying the seriousness of his illness at this stage. And, you know, she's like, I can't help it. You just told me you had cancer. How can I not worry about this? But yeah, it is what it is. And he basically probably tells her something like, go do your job and I'll be fine. Is anyone else bothered by the fact that she calls him, like, literally right before she goes into the gate, not as soon as the mission timeline was assigned? No, it's like, <laughs> you, leave, you leave the briefing room where Hammond gives you the okay, then yeah. you call your dad, then you go get ready. Yes. Yeah. That should be the order. I'm, I'm just confused, honestly, by their relationship in general. Because she she talks to Hammond, like, immediately after this, and she's like, yeah. oh, I, feel, I feel like I'm leaving something behind. And it's like, You'd still be leaving your dad behind just because he's dying doesn't change that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this time, you know, she's afraid she's going to leave and come home to a dead father. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't really possible. And also, she tells she tells Hammond that he, you know, like he doesn't he doesn't want to see me to see him that way. He doesn't want me to see him in a hospital bed. Yeah. Yet he gets a place in town. Like, right. why? Yes. <laughs> That's a really good but point. It's yeah. a strange dynamic. It's a strange it dynamic. Is. And, I think and it we... goes away, by the way, almost immediately. <laughs> it just disappears. <laughs> well, you know, what happens in part two kind of changes things about their relationship very drastically. So I suppose. I suppose. But, um, yeah, so she and Hammond kind of commiserate a little bit just sort of about the whole situation being kind of sucky in general. Um, and Hammond offers to send someone like in her place. And she's like, that, that's not really possible in this mission. Like I have to go on this one. And as she goes to leave, Hammond is like, you're more like your father than you'd like to admit. 
So, which I'm I'm not sure if she takes as a compliment right now. And she's like, she's like, thanks, other dad. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need that right now. Yes. So we then cut to SG-1 exiting on a desert planet, or at least a desert on the planet that they're on. And we see, like, the DHD is, like, almost completely buried in sand. So I think it's supposed to sort of uh, make people think that it's been, like, abandoned and that there's nobody here, you know, because the DHD is, like, almost buried um, and probably, you know, try and keep people away. Which is interesting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, they are. Um, I did notice something interesting. So in like Sam's memory from the beginning of the episode, the Stargate was underground in one of the tunnels. Here, it's still up on the surface. Why? why? Like, have they like have they had plans to bring it underground and just haven't gotten to that part of their move-in style yet? Where they move the Stargate underground? I just thought that was a little curious that... You know, maybe they just wanted maybe they just wanted a different decor. 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 Yes. They wanted an outside look this time. (laughs) Not like veranda in the gardens. (laughs) Well in the desert. In the desert. They wanted a lovely outdoor stroll. Okay. To the gate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh I have to I have to point something out. Um, Yeah. Which, um, there's a great YouTube video called a Star, a Star Trek Voyager Supercut of, like, some sort of something. And someone took every time that someone in Voyager said, this is some sort of, like, that, you know, the trope that science fiction explains science stuff with some sort of simple metaphor. Okay. So I spotted it several times in this episode. <laughs> please, please point it out as we continue through. I, I have like, no other contacts. And to... she, and another thing, Amanda, like I don't usually notice specific line reads, but I think Amanda was going for upset, and she just winds up sounding super bored. And she's like, uh, I don't know, there's some dunes over there, some sort of dunes over there. <laughs> yeah. I was so. like. Yeah. Some sort of dunes over there. Dunes, yeah. So there's there's no notable tracks. Doesn't mm-hmm. look like anybody's been near the gate recently. So they decide to head out to those dunes that like Carter points out, and then they pass by like the the broken down malp. That's just like, like what? Okay, what what happened to the malp? Like it did the did the toker come and break it after the gate shut down or something? Because it looks like. I mean, it shouldn't look like that. It's a desert planet. The map goes through. It looks around, and then it sits there. But when they get there, it's, like, tipped over on the side. Like, what, yeah. what happened to the map? I'm very confused. Yeah. And they even, like, pointed out. Yeah. Jack goes, like, stupid map or, like, worthless piece of crap or something. Like, and it's, like, collapsed. Maps yeah. do that. Did a sandstorm come through, maybe, and, like, knocked it over, and that's why the DHD is almost bare? I don't know. It just, it was a very weird thing that has no payoff to anything. I'm going to go with, I mean, the Tok'ra seem to take precautions of making the planet look dangerous, like, you shouldn't be here, you know, turn around while you can. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with they probably did something to it to kind of make it look like a, you know, not friendly environment for anything that comes through. Okay. I can believe that. Okay. Fun fact, that's what happened. 
<laughs> Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, our guys are walking through the dunes, and Tilk reiterates how the Tok'ra have a rep for being stealthy when a bunch of guys like pop up from underneath the sand and surround SG-1. Literally, literally like <laughs> very stealthy indeed and one of the guys approaches and says you know basically does the we mean no harm but like don't try anything with us and jack's like weapons. and the other guy's like well we have more people so i think if there is a fight we'll win <laughs> uh, you know what they also have is more exposed men thighs <laughs> no those yes, are so i i support i support Men in skorts and sci-fi, like, let's do it. That had to be very <laughs> uncomfortable, though, be being buried under sand in no, that sort of little skirt thing. March no, man, I bet that sand got anywhere. I hate sand. It's just so coarse, and it gets everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> Later on, Martoof is wearing pants, and I'm like, you could have put these guys in pants. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they got there and they're like, whoa, these guys are way thicker than we thought. (laughs) He did not budget enough spandex for this episode. (laughs) But I mean, I would like to devote the rest of this podcast specifically to Martoof's hat. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, are so weird. They're like winter beanies, but they're in the desert with like the ear flaps and like. What is going on with that hat? I need to know. I need to know. It's is it a rugby cute. hat? Is it an old school football leatherhead? We don't and, know. I don't know. It's it's like All a Canadian goose hat for sand. Yeah. It's a very strange hat. And I imagine J.R. Bourne was like, just put it on. Just take the job. <laughs> or was he like, this is the stupidest hat I've ever seen. I'm going to wear it. Fun fact. <laughs> they were all wearing it, to be fair. <laughs> I mean, yes, to be fair, they did all wear it. So I guess he was like, Fun well. Kara Bourne is down for the hat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so one of the other Tokra who we know now is, is Martouf, uh, points out Tilk as belonging to Apophis. And Tilk does his whole, I no longer serve Apophis thing. And like he fights against them, and Daniel's like, and all the all the ghoul too. And Sam's like, be careful, cause these guys are ghouled. And the one guy who stepped up first, he's like, don't call us ghouls. Like, we are not ghouls. Eye flashy thing. I, yes, eye flashy thing. Voice, you know, modulator thing. Sure, you're not ghouled. Okay. That's not helpful. Thank you. Uh, we then have a quick cut back to the SGC where Hammond gets a phone call from Jacob and it appears that something has gone very wrong with him because he's like, I'll be right there and like rushes out of his office. So, okay. Something. I do, I do need to know, did he get a call from Jacob himself? I didn't get a chance to go back and check. I think so. Cause like Hammond picks up the phone and says like, put him through hi. And then like says, hello, Jacob. Hi, Jacob. Okay. Cause it's weird again that he would call Hammond yeah. and then act all shocked when Hammond shows up. Like you can't be like, yeah, my cancer's bad. I'm in the hospital. And then be like, bye. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he was probably calling to see if he could still reach Sam or something. And just, you know, oh. he got put through to George and yeah, so what actually happened, so the phone rings, Hammond picks it up, says, Hammond, put him through, pause, Jacob, you okay? Oh, no, I'll be right there. Aww. So, yeah, he does talk to Jacob directly. What is that quick, though? Because, like, 
He was probably like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, so what do you imagine he said on the other line? Spoiler, he was not fine. I like the idea that he had secret spies in the hospital. Because I was thinking about it, and I'm like, him and Wood have a network of spies just from being a really nice guy. Yeah. Instead of, like, secrets and lies. And I like to imagine that he makes a really nice peach cobbler and (laughs) just hands it out. Like, by the way. Like, George, of course. So nice to see you. Who needs pro quo? It's fine. Yes. So do you imagine that since the conversation was, like, so short, there was, like, a code word that someone got on the phone and they were just like, monkey paw, and then... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or was it it just, Jacob, what's wrong? I'm dying. Oh, no, I'll be right there. Like... Yeah, that, but he couldn't have done that. He wouldn't have said it. Um, no, it was, yeah, there was not a lot of time for, like, between Hammond's lines for Jacob to say anything too extensive. Fun, fun yeah. fact, the code word is peach cobbler. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Okay. That's exactly what it was. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, back on the planet, Sam points out Martouf and is like, you're Martouf, aren't you? And he's like, I don't know her. I don't 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 look at me like I don't know who I don't know her. Who is she? <laughs> and Sam's like, no, you don't, but you do know somebody who I knew. You knew John R. And he died saving my life, and that's why we're here to find the Chokra so that we can form an alliance. And these folks neither confirm nor deny that they are Chokra. But Sam's like, yeah, based on what John and I are left in my mind, you guys yeah, are Tokra. But they still, like, don't really confirm that. And they're like, okay, fine, you know, we'll take you where you want to go. And then Jack does the whole, take me to your leader, which could could you be more offensive, Jack? Like, really, that was mm-hmm. that was a little uncalled for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, which they, they, they agree, but SG-1 has to leave their weapons. And Jack's like, no, just hard, hard no from Jack on that, but everybody else manages to, like, talk him around, so they, you know, strip off all their weapons and hand them to, like, the tertiary Tokra in the background, and then Martouf is like, come closer, and Jack's like, why? And Daniel's just like, Jack, come on. So they all, like, (laughs) so they all just, like, huddle really close together, and then transport rings pop up from the sand, and then Uh deposit them down in the crystal tunnels. What? I I love, I absolutely, surprise, I love J.R. Bourne. And, like, I was watching this scene, and I'm like, he's so serious at first. Yeah. And, like, the way his face softens when he, like, recognizes that Sam is telling the truth, like, makes my heart, yeah. makes my heart go beep. <laughs> but also the way he looks when he says, come closer, you're just like, Yes, I will. Okay. I will. Okay. Do that, yes. Come with me, yes. Okay. I feel like oh. Sam's like, okay. Yeah, Sam is no problem doing that. Sam is not mad at this episode at all. Oh <laughs> uh, so we're finally down in the Choker Tunnels, and uh, Tilk then relays some more legends and like rumors about the Choker that he has apparently only just now remembered. Like why it happens a lot. It does happen a lot. Like, there are rumors that, like, they can grow tunnels, quote-unquote. And Sam's like, that seems very possible given the structure of the caves that we're in. 
Like, yeah, it wasn't like that you pointed out. It was a little sort of weird techno babble explainy. Okay, by the that, way, seeing yeah. some sort of crystal material. Yeah. <laughs> some sort of crystal material. Yes. Um and also Apophis like always tried to find Tokra tunnels, but like they were never able to. Tilk seems suitably impressed by like what he's seeing right here, which I guess is kind of cool. Because, again, this is sort of a legend he's always heard about, but never really had confirmation that these people really existed. But here here they are. And all this stuff seems to be true. So Tilk is in, I guess. Yeah. Um, and Jack then asks Sam, like, sort of like, hey, what, like, what's up with, like, that Martouf guy? And she's like, I don't, I can't really put my finger on it. Yeah. Like, I feel like I know everybody here, but there's something special about that one in particular. And you know what she says? Ding. Some sort of bond. Some sort of bond, yes. Some sort of bond with him. And I'm yeah. like, girl, girl, me too. Get in line. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I have a theory from this episode. Okay. kind of hit me. I have a theory that Sam Carter had never actually really been in love before. Oh. Mm. Like, I mean, she was engaged. Well, yeah, uh, but they yeah. obviously didn't get married. No. Because she starts off looking at him and she's like, why Why am I familiar with you? Why do I feel attached to you? What is it? And then he finally is like, um, we were a couple, we were in love. And all of a sudden she's like, oh, that makes sense. oh <laughs> this is what it feels like. Oh, my God. And then she starts to like realize that's what this is. That's super interesting. But I, yeah, I can buy that. Because oh, he actually it. explains, we were a couple, we were in love. Before that, she's just like, why? Why? What is this? I don't know what this is. I can't explain it, or I don't know what this is. Yeah. It's interesting. I like it. I mm-hmm. like that theory. Yes. And, yeah. I, and I'd also like to point out that Martuv ditches his hat immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Other people are still wearing it, but he is not. He's like, like whoop. Nope. <laughs> I'm inside. I don't need my hat. Yes. Dumb hats. He's a yeah. true gentleman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's that's true. He's old timey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we then cut back to Earth where Hammond is now in Jacob's hospital room. Uh apparently they got the cancer that was in his lymph nodes, but it had spread to his liver. And it amuses me that the language Jacob uses here is all like military jargon, like a squadron, like with a sneak attack to his liver or something like that. I was like, could you be any more just the military guy? Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But so he's running out of time. Like he's in, this is a dire situation that he's in. Things are not going well, unfortunately. And Hammond says he'll have Sam recalled and actually goes to pick up the phone. But Jacob stops him. And basically, like Sam had said earlier, Jacob doesn't want Sam to see him like this. And Hammond tries to convince him that she should be here for this. But also, question, what about Sam's brother? Jacob's son? Why is nobody talking about, like, calling him? Do we ever ever talk about Sam's brother? Like, we we meet him in, like, season four, I think, there's an episode. Mm. Um, Like, she first mentions him in Cold Lazarus, um, that, you know, she's an aunt when she sees Jack looking at, uh, or well, you know, like the alien Jack looking at the photos of Charlie in his locker. And she's like, I'm, I'm an auntie. They live down in San Diego or something like that. And it's like, why, why, why is nobody talking about the, the other 
Carter child in this episode because <laughs> Sam's not an only child. Yeah. Um, they do that in TV shows a lot where yeah. somebody is in some sort of distressful situation and it's like one character is dealing with it and then you, the show mysteriously forgets that they have an entire other family of people yeah. that should also be at said event. They don't talk about him much at all after that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm. But, right. yeah. Anyway, um, but, like, but no, like, Jacob's like, no, don't call her. Just leave her. Just don't. Which, and, which brings up the point. Why did you call in the first place? Like, please. Maybe yeah. he was panicking and didn't want to be alone, but, like, didn't want Sam there because. It was crazy talk. It was Peach Cobbler. Peach Cobbler. Don't Peach Cobbler over here. <laughs> oh. So there, there is one thing George could do for him, and, and that tell me, tell me what my little girl's doing. And Hammond's like, can't, I can't do that. I can't. It's too classified. Can't. And he's like, I'm dying. Who am I gonna tell God? And Hammond kind of is like, I uh, no, sorry, can't, can't do it. So Hammond takes his, you know, vows very seriously. I guess so. Would you would you tell him if you were in Hammond's place? Would you tell Jacob what his daughter was up to? No, because that whole situation could just be a big ruse set up to find out what she's doing. <laughs> he could have been faking the whole. <laughs> I guess this, this I suppose that's supposes, true. This also supposes that he's like a Russian spy or something too. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. You don't know. Or like gonna sell it to the tabloids. That's true. We don't know. I mean, somebody told a journalist somewhere, so maybe somebody got a hold of Jacob. So uh, back with the Chokra, uh, SG-1 are led into a room and presented to Grand Council Garsha of Balot. And Tilk is like, you're the most hunted ghoul of all time. Like, he seems, like, suitably impressed by her. But she's just like, please don't call us ghoul. So, and then she's like, she goes to SG-1, like, are you really, like, of the Tauri? Like, that's you guys? And Jack's like, yep, that, that's us, the... So you're the ones who got rid of the Supreme System Lord Bra. Yep, yep, that's that's them. They did that. So she's like, well, then that means that you are Tok'ra. And this causes Daniel to have an epiphany. Apparently, Tok means against in some ancient language, which I tried to find out, could not find anywhere. So oh, the Tok'ra... Not fun fact. Not, not, non-existent fun, fun fact. fact. I have no idea what language Tok is. So that means the Tok'ra are against Ra. And basically at this point, Jack just like really, really, really wants one of these guys to say, yes, we are Tok'ra, which Garshaw finally does. And he's just like, yes, thank you. Nailed. We, we, we got it. We, we, we got to the place we wanted to be. And these are the people we hope they would be. So, I, I, yay. I would like to point out that when... Um, it's Teal'c that says Tok'ra, and Daniel in the first scene of the episode is like is like resistance in like his yeah translator voice. So like, does it mean? Why are you acting like you don't know what it means? Well, I mean, a lot of translation is there's like the literal translation, but then there's just like what the word means, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Tok'ra, you know, 
means resistance, but literally means against Ra, which would against is, you know, resistance. So it probably just depends on like what switch in his brain flipped first. Ah, it's an adorable like academic moment for Daniel. <laughs> yes, I I like when Daniel gets to like be the smart guy. It's, it's so exciting. Like no matter what situation they're in, he'll learn something new and be like, "Yay, guys, yay!" <laughs> I figured it out. I know. <laughs> That's true. But it is fun when you like figure like I'm, you know, learning Italian, and sometimes there's that lightning mode of like, "Oh, that's why that word is that word because you it's that other stuff." Okay, I get ya. It all makes like like the Italian word for birthday is compleanno, which is the combination of complete and a year. Birthday, complete year. Uh, That makes sense. Aha, lightning in a bottle. I gotcha. It's fun. Words are fun. They are. Uh, So Garsha then goes on to ask about like Jolinar and is Jolinar really dead? And Sam starts telling the story of how all of that happened to her and Martouf seems very sort of upset and disturbed to hear that Jolinar's the host is dead at least. So again, he was was sad. Yeah. Something's going on there. We're getting, getting little crumbs of it and we're getting more back in the hospital. Jacob is in cardiac arrest. (laughs) That took a very dark turn. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Luckily, the doctors managed to resuscitate him, and Hammond asks how long he has, and Doc's like, I, it could be five minutes, it could be five days, I don't know. So I was like, oh, g- great, this is yeah, yay, happy times I, here on Earth. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's too dark, but I do wonder if, like, Jacob's, like, either given up entirely or is resigned to his fate as he's acting like he is. Why doesn't he have a DNR? So I was like, Jacob, you... Yeah. I don't know, maybe you just hadn't gotten around to signing it yet. Sort yourself out, boy. Yeah. But I mean, tension, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but back with the Tok'ra, uh, Sam has finished her story, and Garsha, like, basically asked Sam to confirm that she was not an actual, like, willing host to Jolinar. And she's like, no, it was, like, an emergency situation. So he just did what he had to do to survive. And they're like okay, so how can we be sure that, like, you didn't kill Jolinar, like, on purpose? And she's like, because I said so. That's, that's <laughs> such a great... Yeah. I love how Sam has no idea what she's doing, which comes down to your uh, to your theory of her never being in love, because she has no idea. She's like, I just know, okay? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, and we it. can we can trust your word because, and then Jack's just like, okay, like how 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 can we trust you in this situation? You're Gould, and he just sort of like keeps ranting at them about how they seem to be prisoner, and Daniel keeps trying to like interrupt and stop Jack from like inciting a major interplanetary like incident, but Jack <laughs> is just like not having any of it. He's mad. He wants to know what's going on. And they may say they're Tok'ra, but, like, they still have a symbiote in them, and that makes them ghouled by, like, his way of thinking. So, what's the deal? What is the deal here? And Garshaw and Martouf both insist that they have, like, a truly symbiotic relationship with the host, and that they only take hosts who volunteer for it. Okay, so why would someone do that? Uh. And to which Garshaw, like, bows her head briefly and then steps forward with, like, 
she's got a completely different demeanor. This actress is great. So yeah, this is now not Garshaw. This is the host, Yosef. And she, she not, not necessarily more timid, but her, her voice is a lot quieter. She kind of stutters a little bit and seems a lot softer than Garshaw was. And she's like, I speak freely without censor or restraint. And so they ask her, like, okay, why, why would you volunteer to be host to this, like, symbiote thing? And to her, it seems like a great deal. She gets all of Garshaw's, like, knowledge and wisdom. She gets a much longer lifespan. And all she has to do is share her physical body. So there, there is no downside to her in this situation. This brings up a good question to me is we never got like a Martu origin story as far as like where why did he decide to do it like you you look at some of the a lot of the Toker are older like Jacob or like um what's her name Yosef Yosef yeah and you think like oh maybe they did it to slow their aging process or to cure some disease that they had but like what what is Martu's story I need to know That would be good to know. Fun fact. Would you like to make it up? Yeah. Oh, Rachel. Yes. Evelyn, go. What's what's Martu's backstory? Hit it. Hit us with it. Uh, I always see him as like being being like a like at first something happened to his home planet or whatever. And he wanted revenge, maybe. Ooh. Ooh, you think so? And he was like kind of a hothead and kind of a kind of a hotshot kid. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, once he joined with the Tokra and with Lantash, like he saw the bigger picture and he became a more peaceful man. Hmm. I'll take that. Interesting. That's I can't a good one. Just now. Yeah. Just now. <laughs> what about this? I just had a thought. Yes. Ooh. So, uh, John R's host was undercover somewhere where Martouf was. They, like, Martu fell in love with her, and then, you know, maybe something happened, and she was like, come with me, I have something to tell you, and told him about the whole Tok'ra thing, and he then was like, okay, I'll be a host too, so I can spend, you know, much longer time with you. Oh, you think they did it to be lovers forever? (gasps) Maybe. I love it. (laughs) That's like the usual vampire that oh it is maybe that's why i thought of it because it's always like yes turn me and we can be together do we we know does march ever tell us how old he is like how old his host is no they uh were together for 100 years yeah so what he's like 125 i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah i don't think we ever get a number from him because i think that lantash and jolinar were were lovers as well. So they could have like tra- transcended their hosts too. Yeah. It's confusing. I want a whole conversation about like what sexuality means to the Tokra specifically. <laughs> because like they say like, oh, we we prefer certain genders, but we don't really have genders. And like, if you were to switch genders, like what does that mean for the relationship of your hosts? That could be an interesting conversation for sure, yeah. Oh, man, that's a whole entire conversation, isn't yes. it? Yes. That's, that, that's a whole, like, 45-minute, like, Wizard World panel. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so 
anyway, so we get that for Yusuf, this was all good. There's no bad in this. But Jack's like, he's still not buying it. He's like, so you've like sold your soul, right? And she's like, no, what you call the soul is intact. Like, we're fine. And then Dan's like, so this is what makes you different, right? Like this whole like truly symbiotic thing. And that, you know, they take only volunteer hosts. And like, yes, that's true. And also, according to Tilk, for some reason, it's been sort of their downfall in their fight against the ghouls. And Gashar Garshaw confirms that, yes. And then it's like, come with me. We have to show you something. So uh, she and Martouf take SG-1 to meet Selmak and Sarouche. Selmak is a symbiote inside Sarouche, the host. She is one of the oldest and has been a great leader for their cause, but is likely to die soon. And Rachel, you'll love that she points out she'll be 203 years old in just a few of our days. (laughs) Again, how do they know? Evelyn, it bugs me so much whenever in whenever in sci-fi shows they use like Earth time. Yeah. Like, how do they know right. years and months and know? minutes? And yes. They, they would not know. They yes. would not know. They shouldn't know. No. I want some episode to be like, oh, I'm 20 gargalax old. <laughs> what does that even mean? Yes. I, I feel the need to point out that uh, Farscape doesn't do that. They just let they just <laughs> let John figure it out. <laughs> no one explains anything to him. Fantastic. Anyway. Would, you know, I never really did watch Farscape except for like an episode or two. So that would probably end up being my favorite one. Because that's also the one where they have like translators implanted, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. He gets injected with them without anyone telling him what's going on, of course. Yeah. In like the first sequence. It's, anyway, watch Farscape, guys. It's a great show. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Because otherwise, how does everybody on another planet know English? How? Yeah. Farscape makes sense. Yep. Um. So anyway, so this whole thing about like why she's dying is again one of the major factors that differentiates them from the Gould is that they don't use a sarcophagus because they think it like makes them bad and evil and daniel's like uh yup you're yeah, right does, there yeah. yes and so since they don't use the sarcophagus and since they only take voluntary hosts if the host becomes too ill for just the symbiote to heal by itself the symbiote usually just ends up dying with the host so they have as sam says they have a zero or negative population growth mm-hmm. and so this is what's going to happen to Selmac unless somebody on sg1 wants to step up to be host Anyone? There's this a- any, moment, anyone like, No, no, there's no. This moment, yeah, like they actually expect them to say yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> just like so, which one of you is going to say yes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no. Okay. No, so, right. uh, Thank yeah. you. No, nobody's nobody's going to do it, and Sam actually kind of ends up like walking away, looking rather like upset and almost mad at this. That was uh, that was a really good moment. I liked and, that from her. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's like sort of stormed off back to the chamber they were in before. And uh, when everybody comes back to join her, they get back to discussing the alliance and the talker like, but you don't want an alliance that like you were just disgusted by the whole like the alliance that we proposed. And it then clicks for Daniel. He's like, oh, so you've been interpreting us saying we want to create an alliance as we want to become hosts, which no, that's not 
what we mean at all. And Garshaw is like, well, what then what could you as humans have to offer us as, you know, Tok'ra? And they're like, Friend, friendship, the fighting against the ghoul together, sharing information, like that kind of alliance. Which, sort of going back, you know, to the point of how do people understand English, like, I kind of like that this happens where there's sort of that little misunderstanding of what words mean and how, you know, one sort of population interprets it one way and we mean it in a completely different manner. And it just kind of makes things a little easier to swallow the whole everybody speaks English kind of thing a little bit Mm -hmm. in this little specific little scenario, at least for me anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Garshaw basically just immediately shuts down the other kind of alliance that SG-1 is proposing. They're just, they're too weak. You're not advanced enough. This is not going to happen. I love and, it. She's like, we don't want your crap. Like, no, we don't you. <laughs> and then it's like, well, hey, these are the guys that like took out those two ghouled mo- motherships like, you know, last month. And she was like, that was you. We had two Toker operatives on those ships. And they're like, we're just defending our planet. Whoops, sorry. And she's like, oh, we had no idea they were near Earth. So maybe they are a little stronger and more advanced than you think. So maybe there is something to offer there. So Garsha will go and talk to the council. And meanwhile, SG-1 needs to just, like, stay here. Like, you're, you're not, like, prisoners, but also don't leave this room. <laughs> you just stay here. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> As there like are armed guards blocking the way. So just stay yeah. here. <laughs> um. Martuf then invites Sam to go for a walk on the surface so that they can talk a little more about Jolinar. And Jack's like, that'd be fantastic. Let's go. And he's like, no, just, just, just her. Just, just this one. Read the room. Read the room. I would like to point out that it is immediately, they're like, they're like, we would never take anyone by force except you can't leave. Yes. And it's like, hey, you, you want to go on a date? <laughs> it is. There's a lot of contradictory things happening within about 30 seconds of each other right here. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Jack's finally like, okay, to have her back by 11, which uh, she's not your daughter, Jack. You don't have to do that. But okay. So I, feel I like- mean, dad jokes. I know, but still, like, really... Ugh. I mean, he, he had to. Cause I guess. He was so... He's just so earnest. I love how he's like, let's go! <laughs> oh, and I'm I not feel like Sam, on Sam's like... She she wants to know. She needs the intel, but she's okay. a little bit like, like, nah, like, alright. I mean, we can... You know, if we... You know, like, that's fine. <laughs> like, sure, okay. you can put the hat back on. Yeah. Yeah, we we won't hold that against you. I love him so much. He's so cute. Yeah. I can't help myself. Oh. So Sam and Martuf go for their walk in the sand, and we learn, like, a lot in this little scene, in this conversation between them. Mainly that um, Jolinar was a she, so, sort of, like... Martuf explains, so symbiotes themselves don't have gender, but Jolinar was always in female hosts, and that they were in love, like, all four of them, like, Jolinar's host and Jolinar, and then, like, Martuf and Lantash, like, all four of them, like, all had feelings, because what the host feels, the symbiote feels, and, like, vice versa. I gotta say, that's really kind of romantic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here for it. 
Yeah. I want one. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there was ever a situation where like the symbiotes loved each other, but the humans were like, nah. Oh my god. <laughs> Fan fiction. <laughs> Let's write it. That'd be interesting. Let's do it. Yeah. Um so like there's a lot of emotions like happening and like Sam <laughs> feels it too. Like it's not just knowledge that Jolinar felt away, but Sam like actually feels it herself too. And I think this, like Rachel, what you said earlier that, yeah, Sam hadn't been like really truly in love before to not really sort of recognize what's happening here. So very interesting indeed. And Martouf then tells Sam about Jolinar's host, Rosha, who, it seems like Sam's twin sister. <laughs> She's got like blue eyes and blonde hair and like a lovely smile. And also, you know, Sam, you would be a wonderful host for Selmax. So which she just immediately like steps like, back and shuts down. Is like, no. And you gotta play the um the Price is Right fail music. Which I mean, to Martus credit, he's made it like, nope, sorry, not sorry, just. Didn't mean that. Not going to mention it ever again. And then Sam's like, you know, it was hard enough with like just Jolinar in there. I don't need anybody else in my head. It feels like I'm schizophrenic, which she then goes on to describe something that is absolutely not schizophrenia. Not schizophrenia. It's not. No. That's not. Not. So bad, bad writers. Bad writers. Bad um, writers. Yeah. I, I don't know how much of a thing dissociative identity disorder was, but like. That's. Yeah. That's it's fine. Yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think back then it was still called like multiple personality disorder. Yeah, split personality. But, yeah. yeah, split personality thing. But yeah, that that's not schizophrenia mm-hmm. at all. So um, Martouf then tries to help Sam process her feelings with some kind of like mind meld thing like I know what they, that was like like hands, like staring at each other's eyes very intensely what no, dude they were holding hands <laughs> but, he, but he was like but he said something like there, maybe there's some other way I can help you and like sort of like grabs her hand in a very specific way and like yeah, very like, intensely and deliberately makes eye contact like there's some kind of mind melt thing going on like I don't know it's like the way he, wanted, he, what he wanted was to mac on her. Like, yeah, the way he said, like, maybe you can describe it in ways other than words. Like, where does the porn music start? Is this <laughs> you? <laughs> I need to talk about like the emotional journey of Martuf in this whole scene because, like, First of all, where's mine? And here's mine. <laughs> like, like Sam, I don't understand like relationships. So if you're into me, like tell me. And he just comes out and says it like, hey, guess what? We were in love for a hundred years. And she's like, oh yeah, okay, I appreciate that, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Man. then he like when he oversteps and asks her if she wants to be a host. He acts all like coy and stuff. Like he, like he, like I said it, but like now I'm like a six year old. Cause when she's like, she says something like, I'm so confused. This is so confusing. He literally goes, why? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm 
would you know why? Because <laughs> you've just met this woman, but apparently she feels like she's already in love with you. I know. That would be a little confusing. I would I would love yeah. a conversation like that. That's whereas like here is my feelings. Do you also have feelings? And yes. I can be like, yeah or no. <laughs> I wish actual dating was like that. That would be nice. Mm-hmm. Where they just hand you a survey to fill out. I know. Like, can we, yeah, can, we no. can we go back to eighth grade? Do you like yes. me? Check yes or no. Yes, no. <laughs> oh. But so whatever is happening here is then abruptly interrupted by Daniel returning because the council has agreed to meet with SG1. So yay! I'm sure she's like, oh, hey Daniel, how's Thanks. it going? Yeah. And at this point in the episode, I noticed something really interesting with the Tok'ra. Martuf, who's the the human host, is the one who speaks most for that duo, if you will. But for everybody else, it seems to be like the symbiote that speaks most, like with the sort of, you know, the voice, (laughs) vocal inflection thing put on it. And I just, I don't, I find that really curious and like, what was the decision behind that? I thought the same thing, and I noticed that, like, it's later on when we meet, well, of course, Jacob speaks more than uh, Selmak does when he's around Sam, which is obvious, but, like, who's that girl who, like, you get the sense that her symbiote doesn't really like Jack, Oh, she's kind of into Jack. Anise? Yeah, Like, season four, I think, season four or five. I know. It is interesting. Like, it's like they know to speak as hosts more around humans. Like they learn it later on, but Martuf is wise to it from the beginning. Yeah. Or, Lan- or Lantash is really chill. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, we only hear from Lantash like once in this whole episode. Yeah. And I don't know if we ever really hear Lantash much ever again. Like after well, this, it's. I also you, think you, it was because. A big part of this storyline with Martuf and Lantash was like romantic. So they were probably like, we're not quite sure how well the audience is going to take Sam having romantic moments with a Tok'ra. It's probably better if Sam is having pseudo romantic moments with the human host. Yeah. That voice is so great. (laughs) He does have a very nice voice. Yes. I love it. I love it. I'm going with that was an audience decision. Okay. Sure. I approve. Fun, Fun fact. <laughs> Fun fact. The audience decided this before the episode even aired. Yes. So on the way to meet the council, uh, Garshaw basically confirms that, like, they do grow their tunnels from crystals and sort of gives them a little, like, spiely thing about that. When Jack notices Kordash breaking off. Oh, yeah, that other weird, that Toker dude from, like, the beginning, his name is Kordash. Even though we never hear anybody call him by name. His name is Kordash. Um, sort of, like, breaking off from the group. So Jack goes to follow him. And in his personal quarters, Kordash opens a box that has, like, a little orb about the size of, like, a baseball in it. And he then notices Jack and is like, oh, hello, welcome to my quarters. May I show you to the council room? And he's like, no. And Jack's like, no, no, I'm, I'm good. Okay. I guess he thinks Kordash is up to something for some reason. Well, like the military spider sense is like tingling here. Don't we have, um, haven't we already seen that technology used by the gold though? Like 
I mean, it I, I remember like, it being a dead giveaway immediately. I mean, yeah, it does look like the Gould communication sphere, but on like a much smaller, smaller scale. Like the Gould communication sphere is probably the size of like, uh, the, like like a globe you would find in like a you know a school classroom. They it's seem like to be about ball. like or like a beach yeah or like a beach ball or something. This is like a lot smaller, so it's like, but it has the same mm. kind of like finish. Yeah. So, I mean, it could be, but it also seems that, like, you know, the Tokra use ghoul technology anyway, so it's not necessarily there for some nefarious purpose, but, you know, who knows? But Jack's little spidey sense seems to be tingling, so we'll got to keep an eye on that guy. Uh, so Jack catches up to the rest of SG-1, and they reach the end of an existing tunnel where the council chambers are being grown as they had not yet had a need to convene the council and SG-1 are just standing there in awe as they see the room getting grown, quote unquote, <laughs> before them, which is pretty cool, I must admit. I do think it's uh, pretty cool. And ding, some sort of accelerated crystal growth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Once um, you hear it, you can't stop hearing yeah. it, it's crazy. Also, I would like to point out that the guy, um, Kordesh, was like, oh, we have no need for doors. And you can actually see that Jack think, well, then where do you poop? Like, you watch crossing <laughs> I know. I always find that weird because it's like, okay, great, you have no secrets. Does that not mean you deserve privacy anyway? Where do you poop? I don't, I don't know. You're very different than we are. I don't know. Also, where <laughs> does the light come from in the Toker tunnels? There are no windows. It's. I find it very claustrophobic, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah. And there's no, yeah, there's no, like, seeable light source. There's no tunnels to the top and, like, mirrors bouncing light everywhere. It's just, they just glow. Maybe some of apparently. the magic, maybe some of the magic glow, grow crystals, like, are growing. Are or, like, glowing. Phosphorescent. Yeah, they, they still can't make one that makes a door. Okay. <laughs> Can I have a door, please? Can you grow me a door? That'd be cool. Maybe that was the thing is because you could never, ever find, like, the bathroom or a way out of a room on a gold ship. They were like, no doors. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Too complicated. We lost a lot of operatives trying to find, <laughs> trying to find bathrooms on gold ships. They were like, no doors are this. We're just done with that. They're too complicated. We're not going to <laughs> It's entirely possible. Fun fact. <laughs> so Garshaw then introduces SG-1 to the rest of the council, who seem fairly reluctant to go ahead and form this alliance. They seem to be worried that, like, SG-1 or, like, sort of the Tauri in general could, like, be infiltrated with spies or be taken captive and, like, tortured for information. And what can SG-1 offer in return? We got, we, we got lots of good stuff, right? Dan- Daniel. Dan, tell tell them like Daniel tell them like, what we can offer. And he's like, well, we have the same goals. And Sam's like, maybe some kind of technology. And they're like, we don't need Earth technology in order for us to be effective as Tokra. We have to look like we're ghouls. We can only use ghoul technology. And then Martuf like hurries in and goes to speak to Garshaw, who just yells, "Bring them in! What is? What have you done? Because here comes SG three. They have also now come through the Chapa Eye, and they've been sent to retrieve Sam because of her father. 
And the Tok'ra do not like this one bit, and they are denying SG-1's request for an alliance, and SG-1 and SG-3 will remain with them until they move to a new planet. And no, they're not even letting Sam go to see her dying father, like especially Sam, given what she knows from Jolinar. And like other people know, and Jack's like, well, more people will come because we're not the only people who know the address of this planet. And they're just like, well, hopefully if we don't send you back, they'll just think you're dead and not send anybody else to look for you. To be the whole cont- reaction is weird. It it does seem very extreme. It's not like, like SG3 showed up like being all stealthy. Yeah, or like, you know, guns blazing. Or I mean, sure, they had their guns on them, but they didn't like come <laughs> through the gate like, you know, Argh! and threatening people, I doubt. So it's I like... I love how she says, uh, we'll try to make you as comfortable as possible and then leaves them in an empty room. (laughs) (laughs) With no doors. (laughs) Just some meaty guards. (laughs) Yes. So. They leave them with like a deck of playing cards. Yeah, there you go. There's one bop it in the center of the room. That so, be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that is the end of this episode for now. Until next week. So. Until next time. Wow, what could possibly happen? I don't know. <sighs> Rachel, what do you got for memos this week? Um. Bah. Ooh, let's see. What did they totally mess up this week? Uh, not bringing back up again. <laughs> Not bringing back up again. Do they have radios on them? Because they probably could have just radioed Sam. I mean, yeah, everybody always has radios. So, unless they got those confiscated. Yeah, I think they were probably, like, in their flak vests, which they had to give up. So, yeah. I don't know. Do you have any memos? Um, If you see a guy and he makes your tummy feel funny, you're probably in love. That's that's your official mission memo. Okay. Or, or you have food poisoning. Like. <laughs> Is it love or food poisoning? Tune in next week to find out. Could be either one. Maybe sometimes it's both. Sure, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I do think it was really weak sauce that um, the guards, they're, they're escorting them down the hallway to the council chamber and there's, Four freaking people to keep track of for three people to keep track of, and you lose one. <laughs> oh, yeah, looks, Jack, yeah, Jack just like wanders off by himself. He doesn't out. He just stops, like he just stops walking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what, my mother should have done. They probably had it. Should have had a conversation before they left of like what they were prepared to offer as an alliance. You yeah. think they oh. would have thought of that already? Of like, hey, if we find them. Let's offer them this rather than just showing up and be like, we have stuff. <laughs> we have stuff and things. We have cookies. I <laughs> yeah, that, that also, whole scene at the end of, yeah, like, what do you have to offer us? And Jack's like, Dan- Daniel, what? what? And also how, like, they're like, we know Jolinar. He's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That maybe could have, like, they could have maybe broken that news a little more gently. Possibly. Yeah. When telling an alien race one of their members is dead, try, try and be nicer about it. 
Yep. And she was just so blunt and stuff. Here's here's a question that I have, a very important question. Yes. The um the chairs in this place are so uncomfortable. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, can you sit? How long do you sit in those? Um Not very long. before your butt falls asleep. And then I realized that symbios symbiotes keep your butt from falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Yes. Fun fact: symbiotes <laughs> keep your butt from falling asleep. Okay. Yes, they do. They were do. Were the chairs also grown? They were yes. part of the crystal, right? So, so they probably don't you, move. They're you saw them, right? They're like ninety degree angles. Yeah. Come to a, like, what is going on with those chairs? Someone designed those. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So when they design a new place to grow you know is there like an architect is there a designer is someone like yes we want we want the not window to be over there we want the yes. <laughs> not garden to be over there mm-hmm. or, is it, or, is it, or is it just the it guy no. who programs the crystals and yeah, that's why everything looks like crap because it's just the it guy yes <laughs> and looks the same every time yep uh, here's the not doors here's the not garden over here's the not windows yeah i do so, feel like daniel gets kind of shut down a lot in this episode like, I don't like know. he, he has this one aha moment of what toke means but other than what that toke means and then he um the rest of the time people are like be careful daniel shut up daniel yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah we are still in the shut up daniel phase of the show a little bit that's true it is the shut up daniel phase yeah, yeah kind of um episode title uh, is fairly straightforward this week and also no fun translations into foreign languages for you guys everything was just whatever the is in the foreign language tokra so that's kind of boring that's all i got any final thoughts before we wrap it up i was thinking about it and um the reason that i love martuf and also one of my other favorite characters is braytac of course yes um and I love them because they're super intense, but they're also super nice, like super kind. Yeah. And um, I was just, literally I wrote this like 10 minutes before I came on with you guys, because I realized that that's that's like a metaphor for why I love the show. It can be super duper intense and it has these big time galaxy stakes, but it's also really fun and really sweet. And yeah. that's that's why I love it. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Yeah. I can't Mm -hmm. say anything after that. Episode's done. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. It was really great. That was glorious. It was an excellent closer. So thank you, everybody, for listening this week. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore Rewatch or send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G Rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for The Tokra Part 2. Bye, everybody. Bye.